Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. you're here today. Romans chapter 12. Let's begin. Let's just read verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. So he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the Christians at Rome. So we, he, we could take this personal. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The number one question I receive more than any other in all my ministry years is this, Pastor, what do you think God's will for my life is? And this verse of Scripture says the, the real way to find out that is to get you thinking right. God might be telling you His will for your life, but if you interpret it wrong because your thinking's messed up, we can miss God. Satan operates in the arena of thought. If he cannot control and influence our thought life, he cannot dominate us. He's got to get you through your mind. That's where he gets you. You remember when the Bible says that Satan put in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus? Well, how did he do it? He did it through his thought life. He did it through his thought life. That's how he tempts all of us. That's how he tempts your parents, your grandparents, your children, and your grandchildren. He never changes. His M.O. never differs. The way he gets to mankind is through our thought life. Our actions always come after our thoughts. Can you think of someone right now that is a Christian? A Christian. They believe in Jesus and they love Jesus, yet they're living far below God's best for their life. They love Jesus, but they're living far below His best. Every one of us can think of someone, in fact, it might be you. You might be here this morning, you love Christ, you're born again, but you're living depressed. You're down. You don't have any hope. You're just surviving. Or maybe you know someone who is in love with Jesus... But they have this weight of addiction or a habit that continues to rob them of their peace and their joy and their health. Maybe a sickness, maybe a past tragedy, possibly a friend or family member who is a good person and they've made Jesus Lord of their life, but a tragedy or a divorce, a death or betrayal or an unexpected crisis has interrupted their life and they can't just seem to navigate past that painful moment 
or that event in their life. Each of us have friends and relatives just like that. Or maybe we personally, personally sit here today and we have sung the worship songs and we've enjoyed it and appear to have our stuff together, but we know there is a cloud, a dark shadow that is overcasting its shadow over our life. If you find yourself in that situation today, or if you know someone like that today, I've got some help for them. I likewise likewise was like that for years. I loved Jesus and gave my life to him. I grew up on the pew. How many remember when churches had pews? I grew up on the pew. In fact, we didn't have a nursery. Our church was so small, we didn't have a nursery. We had a pallet underneath the pew. Anybody remember that? A pallet underneath the pew. I grew up in church. I loved Jesus. My granddad was the pastor. My mom was the organist. My dad was the board member. My uncle was the song leader. My grandmother was in charge of women's ministry. It was our life. I grew up in church and I loved Jesus, but I lived with this dark cloud over my life. I was the life of the party and could put up a front for my friends, but inside I lived with an uneasiness and my mind was tormented continually with thoughts of inadequacy and fear more than thoughts of joy and peace. Was I born again? Yes. Would I go to heaven if I died? Of course I would. Did I love Jesus with all of my heart? Was I plagued with fear and anxiety? Yes, I was. Was my thought life healthy? No. Raised in a little Pentecostal church, I was taught what to wear and what not to wear. I was taught where to go and where I shouldn't go. And the reason our church emphasized those things is because we thought clothes, appearance, and places were the battleground. So you got to get where the battleground is and get the battleground. Make sure you don't... So you wear the right thing and you look the right way and you don't go to the wrong places. Because that's where the battleground is. But we didn't realize the real battleground is in our minds. It's right up here. And they taught me what to wear and what not to wear, where to go and where not to go. But no one ever taught me what to think. I was taught you don't go to movies. Today, if I still go to movies before I go in, I pray, Lord Jesus, don't come back while I'm in here. (laughs) It's dark in there, and you won't be. That's what I was taught. If Jesus, if the rapture takes place and you're in a movie house, it's so dark in there, he can't pick you out. So even to this day, if I have to go to the restroom or something during the middle of the movie, I think it might be a God thing because He can see me when I go out. Mando will be left here with her popcorn bucket, but I'm gone. The real battleground is our minds. And nobody ever taught me what to think. Satan operates in the arena of thought. And if he cannot control and influence your or my thought life, he cannot dominate our life. So I want to share something with you this morning that turned my life totally around. 
Look with me at John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in, me, in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Verse 32, you've heard this one. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. How many have heard a phrase like this, the truth will make you free? How many have heard it? You might have said that. Well, you know the truth will make you free. Well, if that's true, then every person who owns a Bible ought to be totally and completely free. Everybody that owns a Bible. See, you say, why, why do you say that, Pastor? Well, look at John chapter 17. Look at John chapter 17, verse number 17. John chapter 17, verse number 17 says this, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus said his word is truth. So if truth sets free, then everybody who owns a Bible, because Jesus said the Bible is truth, his word is truth, if truth sets free, then everybody that owns a Bible ought to be free. But you know people, and I know people, and I was one of them who lived in bondage and torment, but I loved Jesus and I had multiple Bibles. See, the Bible doesn't, the the Word does not say the truth will set you free. The Word says the truth you know sets you free. It's not the truth sets you free. It's the truth you and I know that we operate in. That we do, that's what sets us free. I loved Jesus, but I wasn't free. I had Jesus living in my heart, but I was in an emotional and mental prison. Listen to me. I was saved, but enslaved. Okay? I was saved, but enslaved. How is that possible? How can you have Jesus in your heart? but still be in bondage as a Christian, not enjoying God's best, still bound by addictions, still bound by past failures, still bound by memories that haunt us. Yet we have Jesus going to heaven, have eternal life, saved but still enslaved. How is that possible? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Let me show you. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Everybody say every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, tells the Christians at Thessalonica, he says, God wants you holy in every way. And then he lists the ways God wants you holy. He wants us holy in our spirit in our soul, and in our body. I like to say it this way. He, he defines the three parts of man. Spirit, soul, and body. And I like to say it this way. I am a spirit. I possess a soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions. And I live in a body. When I ask Jesus into my heart, my spirit, that's, that one says I am spirit, my spirit changed. That's the, that's the real you, the one on the inside. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Turn to Ezekiel. Let's go back to the Old Testament. This is not a New Testament teaching. This is a Bible teaching. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36. The prophet Ezekiel, 400 and something years before Jesus Christ ever showed up, talked to us about the new birth that was coming to man. 
And this is what he said, what happened. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. This is what happens when you and I accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says in the book of John, it's called being born again. Remember what he told Nicodemus? You've got to be born again. You must be born. What does that mean? Well, Ezekiel tells us what it means. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Verse 27, And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You've probably seen this. I've led people to the Lord. I've helped them pray the sinner's prayer and ask Jesus to come into their heart. And immediately their countenance would change. A change took place on the inside. Instantaneous salvation occurred. God somehow, miraculously, took out our old spirit and replaced it with a brand new spirit. Paul told the Corinthian Christians, he said it's like this. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. All right? So that's what happens. That happens on the inside. It's a wonderful moment. My spirit gets transformed. How many has that happened to you? You remember the day you got saved. But that's only one of the three. I still have two other parts of me. Remember he said, I want you holy in every way. Spirit, soul, and body. He transforms our spirit, but then I still have my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions, and I live in a body. My body is an earth suit. It's, my, it's what I see. Thank God I don't... See, some of you, I look at you and you're six foot tall and slender. And you're just not right. You know, you're not normal. You know, no, most people are not six foot tall and slender. Just go out to the avenues and just stand there and look at people. There's very few six foot tall and slender. You six foot people tall and slender, you are not normal. Our, our body is just our earth suit. Just as an astronaut has a suit to walk on the moon, we have a suit to walk on the earth. It's called a body. In fact, you see nobody living on earth without one. You've got to have a body to exist down here. And here's the thing. Our body, our flesh, it's not saved. It didn't get transformed. When our heart got transformed, when we asked Jesus into our life, this old body, it didn't get transformed. It, it still has carnal desires. And you know what they are? selfishness and lust and revenge. That's what your body wants. Often I hear the humanists say this to people. Well, just be yourself. You just need to be yourself. Well, what self are you talking about? If you're talking about being yourself, your body, you'll make the wrong choices every time. See, a lot of people say, well, this is what my body wants to do, so I'm just going to be myself. Well, you're being a part, you are being something that's temporary. Your body's not going to last long. If you want to be yourself, be what your spirit man is that's going to live forever. Don't be what your body wants to be. Listen to what the Bible says about that. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says this. Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to your flesh or to your body... 
you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You see, my spirit that has been transformed, born again, that became new, it desires the things of God. My flesh, my body, which has not been transformed, which is not saved, which is not born again, it wants selfishness and lustful desires. So I got a spirit that wants to serve God. I got a flesh that wants to go away from anything that has to do with God. And the mediator between the two is my soul. It's my mind, my will, and emotions. What is your soul? Well, your soul contains our personality. It contains our personality. All of us have different personalities. We can still be saved on the inside, but still our personalities are different. Our soul contains our emotions. We call them our feelings. Our soul contains our will. Our will is our power to make decisions, our power to change. We call it willpower. That's in the soulish realm. Now turn with me to Genesis. Let me show you something. Genesis chapter 2. Look over at Genesis chapter 2. Let's go back to the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter 2. Go back to the very first book, verse number 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. And notice what it says. And the Lord God formed man. This goes back to the very beginning of man. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living what? The soul of man was the natural life that took place when the spirit and flesh came together. The soul of man is the natural life that took place when your spirit and your flesh came together. And here's something you and I must understand as Christians. The soul of man is the intermediary or mediator between the body and the spirit. Our spirit receives input from God. Let me give you scripture for that. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our what? Spirit. That we are the children of God. See, if God wants to communicate to you, he's going to communicate to you through your spirit man. See, a lot of Pentecostals and a lot of Christians, charismatic, they want something to feeling in their flesh. They want something in their flesh. And a lot of nominal Christians, they're looking for God to communicate with them in the clouds or in the environment. Well, I saw a bird. I was praying I saw a bird fly over it. So that was God. No, that was a bird flying over. <coughs> that was a bird flying over. See, if God, if God communicates with you, He communicates with you in your spirit. People come to me continually and say, Pastor, what do you think I need to do? I say, what do you sense on the inside? Right down here. What do you sense in your, for lack of a better term, in your gut? The Bible says the spirit of the man is uh, on the innermost being of you. 
your spiritual heart. What do you, have, you've had people talk to you and you've, they've given you a line and something on the inside would tell you, that ain't right. We'd call it intuition. We'd call it a hunch. That's the Spirit telling you. And that's how God communicates with me. If I've had over the years, I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of people come up and give me what they would say, words from the Lord. I have a word from the Lord for you. And I'll receive it. I'm all open. I want to hear what heaven has to say. But if they tell me something and it doesn't resonate here on the inside, I just put it on the shelf for a while. I just put it on the shelf. But if somebody says, I have a word from the Lord for you, and they tell me, and on the inside it's like, yep, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yep. I've already been praying about that. Something's kind of leading me in that direction. It's a confirmation to what the Lord's already been dealing with. See, he, He communicates to us by our spirit. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. That's how God communicates with our spirit. Our bodies receive input from the world. What you feel, what you see. That's why you can't go by that to try to find God's will for your life. The Bible says we don't walk by sight, our feelings. We walk by what? Faith. By our spirit, man. So you've got a spirit that's receiving input from God. We've got a body that's receiving input from the world. And the reason so many Christians are saved but enslaved is because they have a redeemed, transformed heart in a fleshly, unredeemed body, and there is a constant war between the two. You've got a redeemed heart that loves Jesus, sitting in a body that's unredeemed, and there's a constant war going on between the two. And for years as a little boy, I heard growing up in church, when I was tempted or going through a difficult time, just pray through, just pray through, just pray through, just pray through. So I prayed more and more, and I would get a temporary relief when I'd pray through. And within hours or a day or a week, that same temptation, heaviness, anxiety, or painful memory would weigh in upon me again. I came to believe that Christianity was a life continually just praying things off of you. Praying things off of you. What a terrible way to live. One Saturday afternoon I was praying and I was just tormented in my mind. Harassed in my mind. And I was praying. And I'd found this scripture in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. And it says this. You know it. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I found that. And and you know, that's a good scripture. And it'll work. You have something troubling you? Go to the Lord in prayer, and He'll bring comfort and peace. How many have found that to be true? And man, I would do that. But you know what I discovered? It would happen as long as I was praying. But when I stopped praying, hour later, two hours later, day later, week later, come right back on me. So you know what I'd do? I'd pray some more. And you know what would happen when you pray? It leaves. Because he said... 
Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God shall guard. That word guard means mount as a garrison. Put soldiers around to protect. Prayer puts soldiers around your mind and your heart to protect you. So every time I would pray, the soldiers would come and protect my mind and my heart with peace. Something be troubling me, something tormenting me, something harassing me, a memory of my past, a failure, a tragedy... An unrenewed thought would get in my mind and just torment me, torment me, torment me. And I'd pray and it'd leave because the peace would come. And that would do good for two or three hours. But then as soon as I stopped praying, the soldiers left. And here'd come the torment. Here'd come the addiction. Here'd come the temptation to lust. Here would come the memory again of my failure. And it'd be crushing me again in my mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about here this morning? And I told the Lord one afternoon, I said, Lord, there's something I'm missing here. I'm, I'm missing something. I do it and it works, but then I, I can't pray 24 hours a day. And I'm, I like to pray and I enjoy praying, but I just can't do it 24 hours a day. I, I've got to go get a DQ blizzard every once in a while. <laughs> and you stand there and order in a Butterfinger blizzard and your tongues come out. It, it doesn't serve any purpose. She might send you a Hawaiian blizzard, and I'm not a coconut fan. So you see, I, it just will mess up life if you have to pray 24 hours a day. So I said, Lord, the guard's leaving. The guard's leaving. And as I was praying on a Saturday afternoon, I had my Bible. I turned it to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6-7. I said, Lord, you said here... Pray about everything and the peace of God would guard my heart and mind. And it does. I thank you for that. But I can't pray every single day, all day long. And when I'm praying, I have peace. But when I stop praying, the peace leaves. What is wrong with me? You see, my grandmother had mental problems. And most of her life, she stayed in bed. And ended up in a mental hospital where she died. My aunt ended up in a mental ward. And when this stuff came upon me, all I could remember is having scenes of me being put in a straitjacket and ended up at Moccasin Bend in Chattanooga. <laughs> I drove by it this week. I was in Chattanooga this week, ministry, and I drove by it. I looked over at Moccasin Bend. I go, ha, 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 ha. Ha, you didn't get me. But I would see myself in a straitjacket being pulled into that place. And I said, Lord, I can't live like this. And I began to cry and weep that Saturday afternoon. And all of a sudden, these words, it wasn't an audible voice, but it just, it sounded like it was. I heard these words. Read the next verse. You know, sometimes you're looking for a bird. You're looking for a cloud. You're looking for somebody to give you a word. You're looking for some big door. And all you have to do is read the instructions. And I heard these words. Read the next verse. So I read verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I said, well, that's good, hallelujah. But that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm dealing with. 
I said, the peace is leaving. And I just cried. And I heard it again. Read the next verse. We went through that scenario three or four times. And finally, I heard it one more time. Read the next verse. And I started to read verse 8. And it was like, finally, came off the page and went 3D on me. Have you ever read a verse a dozen times, but then one day you read it, it's like, bang! And all of a sudden, I saw that word, finally. And the Spirit of God says, after you pray, you have one final thing to do. You've got to think right. See, it doesn't do any good to get down here and pour your heart out to the Lord. And then go back home that afternoon and think all the same old junk you were thinking. See, God heard you. God heard you when you pray and He brings the guards. But if you get back to thinking and don't let your soul get renewed with the Word of God and the promise of God, your mind, will, and emotions, you're going to get back two hours later right back with all that torment, that addiction, that pain, that memory. See? Finally, brothers, whatsoever things is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then when I saw it, suddenly everything started to come together. I remembered the scripture we just read earlier, Romans 12.2. What does Romans 12.2 say? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. See, you can have Jesus here, the devil here, but if this right up here is not transformed, then this one is the mediator between the two, and it's just a matter of simple math. One against one, whoever the one in the middle, the second one, the third one sides with, it'll be two against one. If your soul sides with the Spirit, you'll overcome the flesh desires every time. If your mind, will, and emotions sides with your flesh, you'll overcome the Spirit of God every time. See, it's two against one. In every temptation we have, in every challenge and test of life we have, in every painful moment we have, it's always two, it's always one against one. The Spirit wants to follow God, the, the flesh wants to follow the flesh. The Spirit says God's going to get you through, the flesh says you're going down. The Spirit says resist evil, and the flesh says take in it, take it in, it's going to feel good. The Spirit says God's going to comfort you, the flesh says there's nobody there for you. The Spirit says forgive them, and the flesh says no, hold a grudge against them the rest of your life. And the one one in the middle is your mind, will, and emotions. And whoever it hooks up with will be the winner of the battle. Yeah. See, it'll be the winner of the battle. Be the winner of the... And most of us say, well, if that didn't happen to me, if they, they hadn't said that to me, if they hadn't done that to me, then my life would be good. No, it doesn't make any difference what they did. It's what your soul hooks up with. See? Take responsibility for your own situation. See? So it's two against one. Either the soul and the flesh, or it's the soul and the spirit. And the one that gets the two is the one that's going to win every time. And if you get the soul to hook up with the spirit, the Bible says that's called being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed is the word akin to metamorphosis in our vocabulary. The word metamorphosis means a complete change in form. 
complete change in form. You remember that term in school, elementary school. A caterpillar. A caterpillar may look up at a butterfly and think, that dude has it made in the shade. I have to live on this twig and barely crawl along. My whole world is wrapped up in this little branch. My entire life I eat funny little leaves. And the only thing I have to look forward to is probably a different leaf and a different branch. But that butterfly, he's got it made. The caterpillar watches the butterfly dart overhead, bright, colorful, and free, flying everywhere and enjoying exciting life. In reality, the caterpillar can have the same life if he's willing to go through a metamorphosis. What is a metamorphosis? Well, it looks like this. The caterpillar spins a cocoon, puts himself in an uncomfortable circumstance for a while, and then through the process of time, he has changed completely. He becomes totally different. He is transformed and leaves his cocoon as a butterfly. It's exciting thinking about new possibilities, new adventures, continual peace, overflowing joy, contentment, satisfaction. Some of you have thought that's a dream that will never happen to you. But I'm telling you, it can happen to you. New outlook on life. A new dream and a new hope. Doesn't mean you'll never have challenges or difficulties. But you will discover that during those tough seasons, you can still have a joy level. Now how in the world does that take place? By the renewing of your mind. Getting your soul transformed. Do I come up for prayer to do that? No. To renew means to change or exchange. To renew does not mean to learn more, educate or add to. It means to change or exchange. To renew our minds is to take out the old thoughts and the old attitudes. Removing the old and gaining a new way of thinking. That's what to renew means. It's some work. It's not an event. It's an exercise. Let me give you seven minutes. Let me give you four quick ways to renew your mind. It's what the Lord taught me. And they all start with R. R. Number one, take responsibility. If you're going to renew your mind, get your soul transformed, you've got to take responsibility for your life. We live in a culture in which individuals want to blame others for the conditions of their life. Well, it's my parents, it's my, the government, it's my aunt, it's my employer, it's, it's my, my wife, it's my spouse, it's my friend, it's my teacher. When we blame someone else, listen, when we blame someone else for our life condition, we are powerless to determine our own destiny. Did you hear me? When you spend your time blaming somebody else for your life condition, you are powerless to determine your own destiny. Because they're the ones in control of your condition, according to you. When we blame someone else, we are powerless to change our own destiny. Stop blaming your ex. They might have been, been terrible, just a dog. But stop blaming them. They can't help it if they're a dog. A dog's a dog. Stop blaming your parents. Stop blaming God or your former employer. Stop blaming your boss or your relative that did you wrong. Stop it. Stop blaming people. When we blame others for our condition, we sentence ourselves to a life of maintenance, never moving forward. 
you hear me? When we blame others, we just, we're in maintenance mode. We're just having to deal with something they did to us. Stop it. Take responsibility for your life. Have we forgotten the promise of the Heavenly Father? Philippians 1, 6. And I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue the work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Yeah, they did you wrong. Yeah, they treated you poorly. Yeah, they abused you. Yeah, they misused you. Yeah, they did you wrong. But I want you to know the God who started it in you is not limited by those idiots. He still will complete what He wants to do in your life. See? If Christ started a work in us, He will finish the work. Unless we surrender rule and reign of our lives to others' actions and words. So number one, take responsibility. Number two, reject unhealthy thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Our minds do not get renewed by adding to the unhealthy thoughts we already accumulated. We must take thoughts captive that are contrary to God's will and way for our life. Every day we are ensnared in a spiritual war for the dominion of our thought life. Listen to me. According to the National Science Foundation, the average human brain averages between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts a day. Now I know you don't think teenagers have any. What is wrong with you? You're not thinking. And you think they haven't had a thought in two weeks. I want you to know that they think 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Every human being thinks 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And here's what's crazy. Over 90% of those thoughts are the same ones over and over and over and over again. So if you thought have thought... You're never going to do any good. You're never going to amount to anything. You're ugly. Nobody loves you. And you hear that all day, all day, all day, all day, all day long. Sooner or later, hearing critical accusations all day, every day, quickly becomes a pattern of thinking that imprints upon our subconscious. It then becomes the filter through which we view life. Then when others give us a compliment or speak a word of encouragement to us, it never penetrates. We can't hear it or receive it because we've got our minds so locked in on these thoughts of negative and accusations and critical that we believed about ourselves. And people talk to you and say, why do you think, don't you see it? And you never see it, you never see it. Mandy used to say to me, Eddie, that's not true. That's not true. God does love you. Don't you see God? I'd say, God doesn't love me. She'd say, don't you see God? And I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear it because I've heard this thousands and thousands and thousands of times a day. You're no good. You're never going to accomplish anything. Everybody's better than you. You're just a fat, short kid and never have a chance in life. You're no good. You're no good. You're no good. And that was imprinted in my subconscious. And it became the filter through which I viewed life. And I live with this dark cloud over my life continually. 40,000 times a day, you can't, you won't, you're not able, you're ugly, you're incapable, you're stupid, nothing will change. To renew our minds with the Word of God, we must take our ungodly, unhealthy thoughts captive. 
You say, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, when you think one, just say, no! I've literally been driving down the road. And you know how you're driving down the road and you get to thinking about something? How many times have you ever drove somewhere and you arrived there and you didn't realize you'd gotten there? How did I get here? Did I go past there? I don't even That's how quickly our mind can get to... I'd be driving down the road and I'd get the... And all of a sudden it would dawn on me what I'd been thinking. And I'd pull off the road, literally pull off the side of the road, walk around and say, no, I ain't going... I don't know what people thought when they drove by me. I don't know. I'm not thinking that. I'm not thinking that no more. Take every thought captive. The greatest need in the body of Christ is for Christians to get their minds renewed with the Word of God. You say, how do I do that, Pastor? Scripture memorization. Let's just go back to the ABCs. Scripture memorization is an effective way to bring our minds under subjection to the Word of God. So number one, take responsibility. Number two, Reject unhealthy thoughts. Number three, replace those thoughts with godly affirming thoughts. Remember, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is good, think on those things. So take responsibility. When you have bad negative thoughts, kick them out and then replace them with God's thoughts. And then finally, number four, repeat God's words continually. I want to give you one verse of scripture. One more. Psalm chapter 45, verse 1. Look at this one. This is a gem. Psalm chapter 45, verse 1. My heart is overflowing with a good theme, the psalmist said. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Notice what he says. My heart is overflowing. Why is my heart overflowing? Because I have recited my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. What I speak with my mouth writes on my heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Did you hear me? You need to start telling yourself every day everything God's told you about you. The devil's been telling you, you can't, you won't, you're incapable, you'll never. God says you will, you can, you are. And you need to every day remind yourself, out your mouth, what God has said about you. That will get on your heart. It will be imprinted on your heart. And then when your mouth opens up, when the devil says you can't, you'll say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.